0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show from the Labatt Blue Studio. Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light. Bleed blue and white, drink blue and light. And don't forget to try the new Labatt Blue Light Seltzer Variety Pack. Available at retailers throughout Pennsylvania.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Ross Tucker. And it's time for Ask Ross. This is where we take your questions for Ross. And the best question wins the KSN polo. If you want to submit a question to Ross, really easy. Download our app, Keystone Sports, and you'll see the Ask Ross button there. All right, Ross, you ready for your questions? I am, yes. All right. Speaking of NIL, which we were... Doug from Lewistown says, I'm assuming name-image likeness is becoming a large part of recruiting. If I'm a five-star recruit, how do I negotiate that as part of my recruiting package given the fact that the schools aren't the ones giving out those offers? Is there a name-image likeness clearinghouse that schools use to recruit that way? You know, I don't
0: know the intricacies of the NIL stuff right now. I need to learn more. Um, But I can just tell you, for example, like Javen Williams, who we spoke about a couple weeks ago, Jim, from my high school. I told him I thought that being a Pennsylvania kid from Reading, going to Penn State would probably be best from an NIL perspective. Although, I don't know, if you go down south, maybe they have more money down there. Maybe these funds that they've all put together down there, maybe they could offer them more money there. It did not appear like he had discussed that very much with any of the schools or that it was a big factor in his decision. It seems to me like that is a bigger deal right now in the south than it is in the northeast or midwest so far. That, that, that's by all appearances, you know, remember the one year, Jim, where Ole Miss got Laramie Tunsil from Florida and Laquan Treadwell from Chicago and all those guys and Laquan Treadwell posted all this money, all this cash, like, you know, these things have kind of always gone on, um, in terms of money to recruits. And it just kind of comes and goes and ebbs and flows. I think NIL, it's probably here to stay. But my, my response here is I don't exactly know how the coaches are talking about it with players. But I gave one example of a young man who had talked to a lot of coaches and a lot of schools, and it didn't seem like it had really been mentioned yet. It didn't really seem like my guess is that as you are a higher-rated prospect? Although Javen was top 100, or if you are down south, you're more aware of it. And if you've got A&M and Ole Miss and Tennessee and these schools recruiting you, that that becomes more of a more a part of it. That becomes a bigger a bigger piece of it. Um, but I think you might have to. I, there's probably some schools that are aggressive and saying, hey, here's what we got. Other kids probably are like, hey, what's, what, what, what am I going to get on the NIL if I come? And then there's still, I think, the majority, it's not a big factor.
1: They're not really talking about it on either side, the coach or the player. I do think, Ross, that these independent entities, independent of the school, that are created they find a way to communicate with the players even if it's through a third party a high school coach a parent or someone but they make it known and by the way those entities are being created in in several different schools mostly in the south like i keep mentioning texas a m but i read north carolina has the same thing Um, i believe ohio state has one of those entities now the amount of money they give may be differently different I'm sure not all are doing like the $25 million that a and has. Let's get back on the field, Ross. And before we get too far away from the Super Bowl, Anthony from Jefferson Hills says, Ross, in the Super Bowl, I noticed on multiple crucial plays that Aaron Donald was one-on-one with either the left or right guard. Obviously, I doubt that this was the agreed-upon strategy of the Bengals' offensive line and staff, Are these mismatches a result of miscommunication, lack of preparation, or just a known risk that they were willing to take? As always, thank you for the insight.
0: Yeah, so really what happened is in the second half, the Rams had five guys covering the offensive linemen a lot. You know, a lot of times it was the middle linebacker standing over the center, or even having five known rushers on the play, if there's five known rushers, the five offensive linemen have to block them. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so it was a smart adjustment by the Rams. I'm a little surprised they didn't do it earlier, but it was a very smart adjustment by the LA Rams. And if you got five rushers, You don't really have much of a choice. I mean, your five big guys have to block their five big guys.
1: So they can scheme it to end up with a one-on-one assignment, which is a tough way to go if you have to block Aaron Donald. All right, let's go to Zach in Gettysburg, who says, What happens with NFL players on expiring contracts when they're injured, like Godwin or uh, um, OBJ? Who pays for the surgery and rehab? The team does that
0: they got hurt for. That team is responsible. So um, the team that ends up where they got hurt, they're responsible for the surgery. They're responsible for any rehab for that player. I mean, that's an easy answer.
1: Okay. So, and that happens... stays that way until he signs a contract with a new team.
0: Right. The new team will do a physical. The new team will do a physical before they would sign him. They would sign him knowing what his health status was then. And at that point, once they sign him, it removes the prior team from their obligation and brings that to the new team. Although, a lot of times... Once these guys' contract expires, they'll end up doing the rehab on their own anyway, you know, somewhere else. Uh, but the team that I'm actually not sure about that I'm 95% sure the team where they got hurt um, is 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 gonna is responsible to pay even if they don't do it with the team. Although, you know, it's interesting, Jim. Um, Washington made me. Initially, Washington said I could do the rehab back in Pennsylvania. Then they changed their mind and said I had to do the rehab with them in Virginia. So they can dictate where you do the rehab. Gotcha. But I think once your contract expires, I'm not sure about that part of it.
1: It could get a little bit interesting, I would imagine, especially if you have a difference of opinion on how the rehab should go, and especially if the team's thinking, well, Ross isn't going to re sign with us anyway. So, you know, Ross, nah, you don't need that surgery. Rehab will do. You know, might there be a conflict of interest on the two sides and how to handle the injury, right? For sure
0: which is why it's very important, very, that you get multiple opinions. The team doesn't like it, too bad. The team has their own interests in mind. you got to protect your own interests.
1: Exactly. Okay, let's go to Dave in Lehigh Valley, who actually has two questions for you, Ross. He says, do you think Coach Franken would ever consider Permanently putting numbers on the helmets and the stripe down the pants, the throwback uniform. And second, how would you compare Penn State tailgating compared to other NFL or college game days you've experienced? Say it again, Jim. Uh, tailgating, how do you compare Penn State's tailgating to everybody else's, both college and NFL And his other question was, do you think Penn State would ever switch over permanently to the throwback uniforms? You know, the number on the helmet, stripe on the pants.
0: I don't think they would switch back permanently to the throwbacks, although I do like the throwbacks as a change-up. You know, once a year, I I think it's cool to kind of pay homage to the guys from back back in the day. Um, As for Penn State tailgate. I think it's really high. Now, I've only been to so many, but I think Penn State, you know, I tailgated once at Ohio State, and I was like, you know, Ohio State like, feels like it's in a city, so it feels like you're just in these parking lots. It's not the same as the grass, and I know people like having paved parking at Penn State, and they're close to the stadium, and I've tailgated a bunch in paved parking, there's something about the grass fields. There's something about the grass fields and the kids throwing the football with their dad and stuff. Uh, in my experience, Penn State tailgating is very, very high on the list. Um, I, I don't think it takes a,
1: a back seat to anyone that I've experienced, but I haven't experienced all of them. Funny, uh, my experience is the same as yours. I've been, I had one tailgate at Ohio State. It was good, but like you said, you're in the middle of the city there. It's all that paved. It's not quite the same. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Joe and Hollidaysburg. Joe says, Penn State's been flexing over the fact that Micah was named defensive rookie of the year, giving linebacker you back some of its luster. Is the current narrative correct that Penn State was a huge part in this development and not starting him as a freshman and playing less than 50% of the snaps was all part of this journey? Or was it that he was always going to be a star, clearly better than Koa Farmer, and it was a poor decision not getting him on the field more? And if you agree with the latter, is there a next player that you would be concerned about being unnecessarily buried on the depth chart? I think we know what Joe thinks on this. What do you think, Ross?
0: Well, I guess what I don't understand about that is didn't Micah Parsons lead them in tackles as a
1: freshman? Yeah, that f- less than fifty percent of the snaps, I'm not I I read it straight from his question, but I didn't, you know, do the background and find out. I, well, remember, I think he there was is learning some a margin. new position.
0: He had never played linebacker, he had always been a defensive end, and so he was learning a new spot. And I thought he still led them in tackles that year. Uh, You know, I don't know. That seems like hindsight. Uh, That seems like hindsight. I think they did what they thought was best that year. They did what they thought was best the next year when he was awesome. His third year, I think he was going to be even more amazing. And it's a shame we didn't get to see him play a third year for Penn State because uh, he would have had a really, really special season.
1: Even with the abbreviated COVID year and you know what I think if he had played that year also this, this kind of narrative would have gone away because you would have really seen the elite Mike of that last year that is it for quarter number three stick around and quarter number four we'll name our winner this is where the temperatures are unkind this is where water freezes in the blink of an eye this is where the wind bites harder than a mid-ice cross check this is where the beer is always on ice. This is Labat hockey, played the way Mother Nature intended. Labat Blue is proud to support pond hockey and all the hearty souls that like to play it cool. This is Labat hockey. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.